artist colleagues reminded me that the arts are uniquely placed to transform conversations about climate change and translate them into action. Welcome to Conscient. My name is Claude Schreier. This is the first episode of this podcast. I've been working for a few months now trying to find the right tone, the right way to begin the program, and um, I scrapped everything I've done up to now and just decided to to go for a walk and to explain it in my own words um, while listening to the environment, because that's what the the program is about, how arts and culture contribute to environmental awareness and action. And I'll be talking to artists, cultural workers, scientists, all kinds of people about this, and also uh, sharing some of my own thoughts from my blog. So the first program is called Terrified, and it explores my reaction, or at least my um, experience, when um, I became much more aware of the climate emergency and what it meant to me and to my family, in particular my daughter. So that's the first episode, and and then we'll just see how it goes, um, week by week, when I have content to share, I will publish an episode. Et naturellement, pour moi, je travaille en français et en anglais, donc il va y avoir certaines émissions en français et d'autres en anglais. Et je crois qu'on est prêt à partir. This is the first episode of Conscient called Terrified. In May 2019, my climate denial bubble burst. It was a terrifying and disorienting experience that made me question everything about my life. In retrospect, I realize this was a Zen-like gift of terrified awakening, of clear seeing. But at the same time, I felt paralyzed with emotion and dread. What triggered my climate denial bubble to burst? I felt compelled to share this personal experience in the hope that it might help others who are also struggling with the current sustainability crisis and searching, like me, for a path forward. On the morning of May 13th, I came upon an article in the Guardian newspaper called We're Doomed! Mayor Hillman 
on the climate reality no one else will dare mention. Hillman predicted that the outcome is death, and it's the end of most life on the planet because we're so dependent on the burning of fossil fuels. There are no means of reversing this process, which is melting the polar ice caps. Kaboom! Hillman's comments triggered a visceral reaction that woke me out of an emotional stupor and instantly transformed my worldview. I could now feel what I previously only thought. The shock of absorbing this outcome is death statement shivered my bones. I came crashing out of my bubble of denial and full speed into reality. As I observed my surroundings with this lens, I kept thinking, why are we talking about trivialities when the world is on fire? Why are people living in a sheltered bubble when the doomsday evidence is so clear? Is there any hope? I recalled curator Paola Antonelli's thought about how humans will inevitably become extinct due to environmental breakdown, but we have the power to design ourselves a beautiful ending. A beautiful ending? Is this where we are at? And if so, what does it look like? On May 14th, our 17-year-old daughter was debating her choice of university program. She was facing a fork in the road, and my heart was bleeding for her. Gifted in science, she wanted to study a field where her skills would have the most impact in relation to the sustainability crisis. Engineering? Earth sciences? When I asked her what she really wanted to do, quelle est ta passion? She responded with resignation that it did not really matter. Her focus, like many of her generation, was on what needed to be done, not so much on what she wanted to do. The words of another teenager, activist Greta Thunberg, came to mind. The climate change crisis has already been solved. We already have the facts and solutions. All we need to do is wake up and change. I reached out to climate change photographer and writer Joan Sullivan, who introduced me to Emily Johnston's work, notably an essay called Loving a Vanishing 
world. We can't leave this world better than we found it. It will be lesser for a long time, but we can change the path it's on now. And we know how to start making up for what we've done. We have beautiful work to do before we die. I remember telling my daughter during that week that I was working on art and climate change strategies, and she said with emotion, thank you so much for doing something. A mix of sadness and hope rushes through me every time I think of that moment. On May 15th, I kept reading. I absorbed the IPCC's October 2018 statement that rapid, far-reaching, and unprecedented change in all aspects of society is required, which I think means rethinking everything. I contemplated the bleak, uninhabitable earth, a story of the future, by David Wallace Wells, and the more uplifting, Drawdown, a hundred solutions to reverse global warming. I exchanged with friends and colleagues. One friend pointed out the dangers of world has gone to hell psychological abuse, while another noted that action and a sense of community with like-minded spirits have proven to be an antidote to despair. Artist colleagues reminded me that the arts are uniquely placed to transform conversations about climate change and translate them into action. I agree, but first I needed to unpack my own emotions. George Marshall's Don't Even Think About It, Why Our Brains Are Wired to Ignore Climate Change, helped. Marshall identifies climate change as a psychological perfect storm that confounds human cognition through disattention. In other words, we have difficulty seeing and planning for invisible issues like climate change, and tend to focus on immediate and tangible threats. Marshall concluded that we need to build trust about climate change by communicating common values, such as authority, responsibility, loyalty, as opposed to factual or ecological persuasion. It seems that our minds are wired to believe engaging narratives that appeal to our emotional brain, and that we need passionate storytellers to break habitual patterns, to discover alternative values, 
and consider new perspectives. I recalled that Hillman's Doomsday Foresight also said that so many aspects of life depend on fossil fuel except for music and love and education and happiness. It became clear to me that this is where the arts and culture can contribute with their capacity to delight, educate, provoke, stimulate, console, inspire, and influence. Finally, a path forward through the doom and gloom. On May 17th, I was relieved, but disappointed to find that I had stopped experiencing a strong emotional connection to the climate crisis and had slid back into my oblivious and anxious life. However, I could not go back into denial. And as I still needed to function in day-to-day life, I developed a plan. Panic? No. Experience life mindfully? Yes. Engage in rapid, far-reaching, and unprecedented change? Yes. Lose hope for the only world we have? I like Joan Sullivan's thinking on this. I want to spend my last few months or years doing whatever I could in my own little way to make this world a better place for my daughter, for the bees, for the forests. Even if we are doomed, and I think we are, I refuse to do nothing. Emily Johnston suggests that if you can retire, then the world needs you, and it needs you right now. Because anything that we do this year or next is worth ten of the same thing ten years from now. I actually will retire as soon as possible and fight for a sustainable world with the most powerful tool I know, artistic practice. In other words, to design that beautiful ending that Antonelli referred to while trying with all my might to avoid it. And when things get dark, and they surely will, I will turn to art and traditional knowledge 
for inspiration and grounding. Such as these words by indigenous writer Richard Wagamese from his novel For Joshua. We may not relight the fires that used to burn in our villages, but we carry the embers from those fires in our hearts and learn to light new fires in a new world. We can recreate the spirit of community we had, of kinship, or relationship to all things, of union with the land, harmony with the universe, balance in living, humility, honesty, truth, and wisdom in all of our dealings with each other. You've been listening to Conscient, Episode 1, Terrified. My name is Claude Schreier. The goal of Conscient is to explore how arts and culture contribute to environmental awareness and action. Future episodes of Conscient will feature audio essays, such as this one, or interviews with arts, culture, and environmental leaders from around the world. For more information on Conscient, go to conscient.ca, where you'll also find a copy of the Terrified blog. Une version française de cette émission est également disponible. Voir l'épisode 2 de Conscient. I would like to thank podcast consultant Aisha Barmania, artist and climate change writer John Sullivan, my wife Sabrina Matthews, my daughter Clara and my son Riel for their support. Thank you for listening.